Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, investing legend Paul Tudor Jones on the Just 100. Which companies are doing the most good while they're doing well? You can't have a value proposition for investors and shareholders in the long run unless you're taking care of and providing a value proposition for the other stakeholders, employees, customers, communities, the planet. And one company on that list, Accenture, CEO Julie Sweet says it's more than just being woke. We've added $140 billion in market cap since the pandemic began while meeting our commitment to get to 50-50 gender parity by 2025. But first, the search for COVID tests is still on. Plus, Joe, Becky, and Andrew on a new national champ in college football. And a New Year's crop of new infections. We may need another alphabet eventually. It's Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Joe Kernan, who is just back from the home of the new national champions. That's right. Congratulations to the Georgia Dogs. Welcome back, Joe. Good one to see more you. day. Should stay. I, one I, I more couldn't day believe you came back the day before that happened. <laughs> Poor planning and, on your part. Anyone notice that 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 Herschel is now back in the spotlight, and that was it, it's all weird, yep. isn't it? The way it's uh, well, you know, the last time they Senate, won what, was, was it forty two years ago, nineteen eighty. You're asking me because you think I was that? No, yes, it was. It was nineteen. Uh, it, <laughs> it was nineteen eighty, and I think I was. Uh, yeah, I'd been at uh, Merrill Lynch for like eighty years. Uh, no, yeah, I, I was actually. <laughs> I think nineteen eighty was when I gra- I graduated from from grad school. How's How's Andrew doing? What's going on, Sorkin? I didn't see you. Uh, the week before I left, I don't think either. You look bright-eyed uh, so and bushy-tailed. I haven't seen you for two weeks. Is that right? Is that t- no, two, more like three. Two long weeks. Two long time weeks. Flies. The, the heart <laughs> the grows. Time, <laughs> time, you know. time flies, right? <laughs> Welcome back, my friend. Welcome back. Happy New Year. You guys didn't settle anything while I was gone with, with COVID? Or, what, are we looking for a peak oh, yeah, this month? Or, or, or <laughs> you'd, we're, I think looking we're looking for, for maybe peak. some... I think we're, we might peak, very peak well have month. peaked, Joe, in the New York area, or in New York City at least. I think we're getting very close. You're looking, you've actually started to see the numbers go down. It sort of was up at 18, 19 percent. They've started in Manhattan specific, have started to fall. The question is whether it holds. But, I, you know, look, if we can get past the next, in this area, get past the next two weeks. I think there's still another probably six, to, six weeks nationwide, though, before, before you're going to see the full, the full peak off, right? The U.S. reported now more than 1.3 million new cases yesterday, uh, breaking the previous record of just over a million from a week ago. That was on January 3rd, bringing the seven-day average to a new high of 741,000 new infections per day. Joe? That's uh, significant. Uh, That is a significant number. But have we decided Omicron is definitely not uh, Delta? What's a Delta-cron? Is that real or is that a mistake? We, I guess we'll find out. But we, we should know, yeah. get used to we, we may need another alphabet eventually. Or, or maybe we have to go back and use she or XI. No, no, no. Let's not do that. Try getting a test. 
I, that's just it. I, where's that half I will a give everybody a, a hint for the early viewers of Squawk Box. Here's your little tip of the morning. Walmart.com has Binax Now test right now. I just bought some at 5.58. Oh, they're gone already. Somebody said in my ear. Literally got it at 5.58. You got to check really early every day to try and get a hold of these tests. Um, but keep checking back. The Biden administration says that private insurers are soon going to have to cover the cost of eight at-home COVID tests per member per month. People will be able to get their tests at the health plan's preferred pharmacies and other retailers with no out-of-pocket costs, or they can buy the test elsewhere and then file claims for reimbursement. The new policy will not apply retroactively to tests that people have already purchased. Still, for many Americans, paying for tests hasn't been a problem lately. It's been that run on supply of at-home tests that coincided with the Omicron wave. Manufacturers are still racing to try and restock the shelves. And, and guys, the other thing you realize is if you've got a family of four, five, six people, like in our house, there's six of us, it's really tricky. If somebody winds up with a positive test or somebody gets exposed, you need a lot of these tests to get through to figure right. out when right. and if it's moving through the household. Crazy. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not okay and, to have a test and, per and person or two it, tests per people. And, and the first test doesn't mean anything if the other person just got it, because then you got to test them more, then you never know, right? Yeah. But the right. real and, question and is, why did the Biden administration to... do this a long time ago? Should, should the insurance companies be the ones that have to pay for this? Should the, government be, should the government be subsidizing these tests so that they're actually cheap and available? You know, you go online right now and you look at the experiences that people are having across the country, both in terms of trying to find the test, but then uh, a number of people who have even attempted to try to get reimbursed. You can't until after January 15th. So everybody who's uh, either stocked up or actually try, tried to do this responsibly effectively gets disincentivized. I mean, the whole system's broken. You, you, you know people that know people that weren't unable to get reimbursed, Andrew? Is that what you're saying? Or uh, do you have any personal experience? <laughs> I, I, no, I don't. I don't. I, I've, I've not. I've not. Oh, you have a oh okay. Uh, no, there's been. If you, no, no, <laughs> okay. no. If you go online, there are there are articles, lots of articles about people uh, who have attempted to try to not, I, uh, I, get the reimbursement. Right. People who have taken to Twitter to explain their situation and what they've tried to do and how it appears that the insurance companies won't do it. In part, I think because perhaps the date had not officially been set. I thought the the date was originally supposed to be January first. Now it appears there's this January 15th. Is there a difference between how many tests you're supposed to be able to get based on the certain dates? None of the insurance companies seem to know the answer. There are insurance people yep. who are out online talking about it. No, there's a, there's a whole sort of uh, complex around this right now. Well, it'd be not, you know, let's worry about supply for, you know, get them out there where you can get them. And then we'll worry about reimbursement, I guess, because it's, it's tough and to I, get. Them, I know people for sure. waiting for who are still waiting for PCR test results five days later, six days later, seven days later. It's completely useless if you can't get a test back within 48 yeah. hours. Georgia Bulldogs are college football's uh, national champions. Finally getting a, a Saban uh, monkey off their back. I mean, it, it's tough, um, tough to beat Nick Saban. Their first title in 41 years, quarterback Stetson Bennett. A former, a former walk-on through two touchdown passes to lead Georgia to a 33-18 win over Alabama. And then there was a, uh, a late pick six. Georgia leaned on its defense, which should have been there the previous game, the SEC championship, when those guys got so tired they were on the, the field the entire game. And that didn't happen last night. I saw the first half, and Georgia actually was able to, to stop Alabama on some of those third down plays and get off the field. Because, um, man, uh, beating Alabama, that's tough. Alabama's Heisman winning a quarterback through an interception late in the game. That sealed the, the, uh, the deal.
for the Bulldogs. I can tell you that uh, that's 42 years. A lot of people were watching closely and uh, and really hoping this time would would happen. And, and Georgia, did you guys know that Georgia was uh, favored? I was kind of surprised, and I took Georgia, hmm. and I only had to give two and only had to give two and a half points. And I, you know, I couldn't bet. I was fine, but I couldn't bet for ten days. Okay, but I was or eleven days, but I was fine. <laughs> I made some bets, the bets Not that before you were counting I went. the hours. And then I got. <laughs> That's why you came home. And then I got but back. Now you can do I it had the sitting over, in the chair. Like, like and I had back the over. Back in New York. 53. 53, mm -hmm. so I didn't win because 33 plus 18 is 51 if you do the math. But I had the so right close. team. And, and, and it's so a moral far. win. It's a moral victory. So I lost $6. Um, but uh, Georgia, that's that's big uh, for, for people down I'm there. Surprised they were, I'm surprised and, they were up in the, you know, only because the la the only game that favorite. they lost all year was to Alabama earlier, right? Yeah, um, and Alabama had some tricky. uneven, you know, they lost to Texas A&M and they just barely beat, yeah. who was it, Mississippi State or one of them? Uh, Georgia Auburn, just maybe? Michigan, hey, Auburn, yeah. yeah. Back and forth with yeah. Auburn. Yeah, they, yeah, exactly. Great, great. Uh, that that should have been maybe the the uh, a harbinger the, the way you know Michigan just manhandled Ohio State, and then um, you know Georgia beating Michigan like that. Anyway, great game. One of the great uh, great games. I wish I would have stayed up for, for but I couldn't um, <laughs> because I'm you're here, here with us now, which is here. important too, and we're glad you're here. I am <laughs> exactly. Yes. But we do okay. tip our hats. Thank you for the dogs. Next on Squawk Pod, a new generation of investors values companies that focus on more than the bottom line. Paul Tudor Jones joins us on the Just 100, an annual ranking of the largest public companies and how they deliver, not just to shareholders, but to workers, customers, communities, and the environment. Being just and being in line with Americans' views on what is just is great business. And coming in at number 17 on that list, Accenture, CEO Julie Sweet. Last quarter, we announced we hired 50,000 people. And we believe that that is very much related to the fact that people want to go to companies that create value, right? Who have the right pay equity, who pay the right salaries, but also lead with values, who have sustainability. What it means to be successful in America, right after this. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. And today, what makes a company just? Just Capital is an ESG investing research specialist co-founded by hedge funder and billionaire Paul Tudor Jones. And it's out with a new list of the most just publicly traded companies in America on environmental, social, and governance metrics. Members of the Just 100 are ranked based on issues like paying a fair wage, creating jobs, cultivating a diverse and inclusive workplace, and sustainability. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. We have some news just out. Uh, just Capital is out with its rankings of the most just companies in America. Of the nearly 1,000 companies measured, Alphabet, formerly called Google, as we all know, is at the top of the list. This for the first time, followed by Intel, Microsoft, then Salesforce, Bank of America, PayPal, Apple, NVIDIA, Verizon, and Cisco, rounding out the top 10. Now, compared to their peers in the Russell 1000 companies in the Just 100, on average, create nearly eight times more jobs, are about seven times more likely to disclose workforce demographic data by race and ethnicity, as well as pay gap information and analysis. And they use nearly 20% more renewable energy. 
All of this appears to be paying off. Companies in the Just 100 had a 4.4% higher return on equity and paid 19.2% more in dividends. And I know we've talked a lot about ESG over the years, but Just Capital, which was, of course, founded by Paul Tudor Jones, um, is not really just a measure of ESG per se. What they do every year, interestingly, is they go out and do a poll of Americans across the country about what's important to them in terms of how they think about things. And then they, they measure it and they weigh it. And that's how they come up with the Just 100 list. We're going to talk a lot more about that list and what goes into it and what's come from it. We're going to speak with Accenture CEO Julie Sweet, ranked number 17 on that Just 100 list alongside legendary trader and, yep, Just Capital's co-founder Paul Tudor Jones will be with us. And to check out the full list, you can uh, check it out right now, cnbc.com slash just 100 for more. It's a fascinating list. And, you know, Paul Tudor Jones came on years ago and said it was going to outperform, and it has. Paul, I want to start with you. Good morning. Um, Speak to what this just list is for those who don't know about it and, and how you decide on the rankings. Well, the just list takes the 954 largest companies in America, and we rank them according to what the American public thinks is the most important issues with regard to what they want to see corporations do. So we poll the American public every year. We've been doing it every year since 2014. Uh, We take the results of those polls, and then we take those metrics, of which there are 20, and we rank every single company against those metrics. And what we're trying to do is to create a competition for goodness and let the free market, whether it's customers, employees, uh, communities, manage it, whatever, providing them the information so that they can, again, probably corroborate what those companies are doing and move towards those companies that are more in sync with the values and the thoughts and the ideas of the American public. By the way, forgive me for not on the front end saying hello to you. It's such a great way to start the year seeing you as when I feel a little needy, if I'm being uh, 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 honest, that I wasn't part of the Joe and Becky and and Andrew Grand reunion. Well, Thank you. Thank, thank you for the comments and Happy New Year to you. Uh, before I get to Julie, I, uh, one quick question. Alphabet's at the top of this list uh, this year. What were the biggest shifts in terms of what you saw, what the American public, when you polled them, were thinking about? And how do you think that will reflect itself in terms of returns? Because one of the things that has been interesting is you've made the argument that the more just a company is, uh, the better the returns ultimately will be. Well, the data is been clear on that ever since we started polling. There's every single company that is in the just 100, and particularly the top 20 of which Julie's companies won, uh, they are really good on the most important metrics, which are generally pocketbook issues and work-related. The number one component is pay a fair and living wage. So all these companies pay extraordinarily well relative to the rest of corporate America. So by definition, when you see these companies in the top 10, they've got workforces that are taken care of by far and away on a variety of fronts relative to the rest of uh, the rest of corporate America. The most important thing, though, is that being just 
and, and being in line with Americans' views on what is just is great business. It's fantastic business. These companies, on average, in the Just 100, earn 4.5% more than the rest of corporate America. They, they have um, so many things that they do, such as uh, they give 19 times more uh, to, ch uh, to local communities. They emit 26 million tons less carbon than the, the rest of the list. They uh, provide pay gap disclosure much more so than the rest of the list. Uh, and I think most importantly, their stock price generally outperforms the S&P 500, the Russell 1000, and they also pay 20% more in dividends. So there's economic and financial things that they do better on. And there are also social issues that set them apart in a way that make them the most valued companies in America. You can't have a value proposition for investors and shareholders in the long run unless you're taking care of and providing a value proposition for the other stakeholders, employees, customers, communities, the planet. Paul, that's a nice segue for me to uh, bring Julia into the Julia into the conversation. Uh, Julie, uh, you're number 17 on this list. You uh, have a workforce of about 670, it's almost 675,000 employees and one of the most diverse boards, I should mention, in corporate America. I'm hoping you can maybe speak to, to those in the audience this morning, business leaders and others who are skeptical about some of, these t uh, some of the priorities uh, that may be listed here where people say, oh, is this just everybody trying to be woke or is this marketing or is this packaging? Because I think you've been thinking about this for, for a very, very long time. Thanks, Andrew. It is great to be part of your reunion and great to be here with Paul, who uh, I just want to recognize as an early leader in spotlighting these issues. Uh, I think Paul got it exactly right. This is great for business, not just good, but great for business and for our people. Uh, people, uh, let's just take the, the tight labor market. Last quarter, we announced we hired 50,000 people in a single quarter. We are a talent magnet, and we believe that that is very much related to the fact that people want to go to companies that create value, right, who have the right pay equity, who pay the right um, uh, salaries, but also lead with values, who have sustainability. So, We've added $140 billion in market cap since the pandemic began while meeting our commitment to get to 50-50 gender parity by 2025. We're at 46%. You know, to be net zero by 2025, we are at 50% renewable energy in all our facilities. Uh, you know, our core business strategy is to not only do this for our stakeholders, but also for our clients. And we believe that our results are intertwined completely with our commitment to being a just uh, company. And that's why these types of metrics are so important. And, uh, I, you know, uh, and, and I think it's exciting to continue to see that competition for goodness. Part of what uh, the Just 100 list seems to be suggesting is uh, not just that the numbers should be good, but just uh, just even a basic disclosure is important. That's something uh, that I think you've taken to heart. Uh, you've, you've announced this 360 degree value reporting experience. And I also think it's something uh, that you've been promoting to your clients as well. Again, to the skeptics out there 
uh, who are running businesses who say, you know what, why do I want to disclose this stuff? First of all, it's, it's, it's just more paperwork. Second of all, it may not put me always in the best light. What do you tell them? Transparency builds trust. Right. And we see that absolutely every day. I know when we first set, um, first publicly disclosed our uh, inclusion diversity metrics back in 2015, we were the first uh, company in our industry to do so. Our numbers weren't great. And yet our recruiting in, improved in all of our diverse categories because transparency builds trust. We just launched our 360 degree value ex experience, which uh, you noted. And what we did there was we said, we are going to report against every major ESG framework. We took 15 months to get all the data because we believe whether it's investors, clients, or people, that kind of transparency makes people want to partner with you and join you. Hey, Paul, I just want to speak to the returns issue and also just operating a business. I remember having a conversation uh, with Stephen Schwartzman uh, from, Black, uh, from Blackstone. This was right after um, the business roundtable chose to, to shift what they decided was going to be the purpose of a business, not just about profits, but to also include so many other constituent parts, if you will. And he said that he wasn't willing to sign on to that statement, be not because he didn't believe in all those other constituencies, but because he thought that you needed to actually focus on only one thing, that if you could actually nail the profit piece, you'd be able to nail the other pieces. What do you make of that? Well, I think history's proven that that's wrong. Um, it's economically wrong a, a great example the, the problem with what milton friedman said that the only business purpose for a company is to generate a profit is that if that's your only motive it creates the ability to be amoral in your decisions uh, and a classic example of that would be purdue pharma right their only business purpose was to make a profit and then the consequence of that was an opioid crisis that killed 400,000 Americans. So you can't have, you cannot distinguish between a business purpose without bringing in ethics and morality and the social consequences of your actions. So um, yes, making a profit, actually, you can't even say that making a profit is economically the greatest way to create uh, a production system. Because again, we lost 400,000 workers in that opioid crisis. Uh, we lost four and a half million jobs between 2003 and 2011 to China because of the fact that the only purpose at that point in time was to make a profit. And if I look at the second most important component of what the American public says, for a company's justice is to create American jobs, jobs in this country. So again, I would argue that there's a variety of both social and economic things that have proven what Milton Friedman said is patently false. We've been talking all morning, and I don't know if you, you, you were watching the program earlier, uh, we were talking about Intel and this debate over Intel and what's happening in China. They do obviously a lot of business in China. They've been effectively muzzled by, by the Chinese government. You had uh, S Senator Rubio this morning or yesterday uh, criticizing them uh, for, for effectively taking some of their language back, which had been critical or at least acknowledged why they had made some of the comments they made. Um, how do you think that companies in this day and age are supposed to deal with these moral and ethical dilemmas that may actually have bottom line impact? Yeah, I don't think that 
everything's black or white. Clearly, they're going to be shades of gray. Clearly, they're going to be benefit cost trade-offs. The most important thing that I think the just dialogue does is, is that that is it brings in those shades of gray, right? It brings in the idea that a business purpose is not just to make a profit. Uh, if we did that, clearly it has huge social consequences that are not great for our society. Look at where we are today. We had the greatest income and wealth disparity in the history of this country. And with that comes the greatest divisiveness that we've had. Capitalism under threat. A third of millennials think that communism is better than capitalism. So clearly we have to do something differently than we've done. And I think we've seen great strides over the past few years towards a much, a much more just economy. And we've seen corporations do, I think, a much better job of trying to take in the social consequences of their actions and what they do. The, 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 I, again, I think the, the best thing that we can see is we've seen wage growth go up, right? If you, The number one issue for Americans with regard to companies is pay a fair and living wage. And last year you saw an, an explosion in wage growth, which is a good thing particularly since profit margins over that same time frame uh, have went from 6 to 12%. So yes, letting workers share more in corporate revenue is a good thing, and it's good for business also. Hey, Paul, uh, just want to pivot, and, and with Julia as well, want to pivot to the economy right now. Um, the last time we talked, we were having conversations about what the Fed was going to do next. Obviously, Jay Powell on the Hill. Um, what do you think the Fed is going to do next? And how are you thinking about the outlook in terms of equities and bonds for the year? Well, I think Jay Powell is going to play catch up. The last time that we had an unemployment rate 3.9%, Fed funds were 1.75% on the way to 2.5%, and 10-year rates were 3% versus where they are right now. So he's going to play catch up, uh, and he's got a lot of catching up to do. And I think that's why you're seeing them talk about quantitative tightening, because I don't think he can catch up fast enough to try to deal with the inflation problem that he has right now. I, I kind of feel with regard to the markets, it's a bit like, remember in, in Animal House, where uh, right before the scene with the death mobile, one of the guys, they're, they're all sitting around, and the guy goes, uh, it's over, man. Wormer just dropped the big one. Uh, and I think that's kind of where we are right now with Fed policy. We're getting ready to see a major shift, uh, and it's going to have a lot of consequences for a variety of asset prices. So what, what are you doing about it, though? I mean, would you be in equities right now? We, you and I have talked about crypto. You, you, you caught it around 10000 It's now Bitcoin. That is, is at, at something like 40000 What do you do? Well, I think a lot of it, again, you, you have to watch what the central bank does. Clearly, all the inflation trades of the pandemic era are going to be challenged right now. Um, if you just think about where we were again the last time the unemployment rate was here, um, the PE and the NASDAQ was around 26 or 27. It's 38 today. So assuming fast forward and we're back at 2% on Fed funds and 25 or 3 on 10-year rates, what's the multiple on the NASDAQ going to be? Is it going to still be 38 on a trailing basis? Or is it going to be back at 26 or 27? And if so, obviously that has huge consequences. Well, what do you for think? The, 
what, what, what do you think it's going to be? Uh, I, I don't know what it's going to be. I know that I think it's going to be tough sledding for the inflation trades, the pandemic going forward. So the things that perform the best since uh, March of 2020 are going to probably probably perform the worst as we go through this tight, tightening cycle. But on a relative basis, I don't know that whether that means they go down or up. I think they're going to be they're clearly going to be challenged. Right. When we if you could just fast forward two years and we're at two percent on rates again, you have to think about uh, what are the price of assets that today are dealing with, you know, zero free money while they're still adding to balance sheet. I mean, it'll be, it's going to be a different story 18, 24 months out. Hey, Julie, what are you seeing? Uh, we just spoke with Jamie Dimon yesterday uh, on this uh, network. If we're lucky, they can engineer a slowdown and you'll see inflation coming down. You know, a lot of people project inflation to be 2.3 percent at the end of this year. I don't. I think it's going to be higher. But, you know, if we're lucky, the Fed will slow things down and we'll have what they call a soft landing. He seemed remarkably bullish uh, about the rest of the year. You have your tentacles into so many businesses around the globe. You know, it's it's a great question because we're all watching the latest round of volatility. And uh, what I would tell you is that the leading companies around the globe are headfirst going straight for continued compressed transformation, right? They are looking at all of this uncertainty and saying, we're going to be in control. They're doing digital transformation. And uh, to connect to our earlier conversation, they're embedding sustainability in that transformation because they know that's the path to profitable growth. Our research shows that the winners of tomorrow are those who are going to do the digital transformation and sustainability. So you see companies like Shiseido, Global Beauty Company, Bold Ambition in Skincare, and they're investing to upskill their people, put sustainability in their products, and enhance inclusion and diversity. Best Buy, Digital Leader Today, uh, they announced a thousand new jobs in the U.S. and committed to 30% diversity. I can go on and on because the leading companies, the ones that you want to make the bets on, are full steam ahead on compressed transformation with sustainability embedded. Hey, Paul, it's 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 good to see you. And I, you know, just looking at your career in, in terms of, you know, so many things that that, that you've done, and and I'm just thinking. Because I respect what you think about commodities so much. I'm just wondering whether you think that we're at a point here where, where we could see something ugly in the next five years and whether for financial assets you would just maybe downgrade the, the overall return because of what seems to be an inflection point or a second derivative that we switched with the Fed. And I guess what I'm saying is, do supply chain issues, if they abate, do commodities come back under control or with the Fed's balance sheet where it is right now, can they not get out um, without some pain in, in the next five years? If, if we cross the Rubicon on, on how bad we've, they, we may have messed things up monetary-wise? It's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. I mean, here's, here's one way to frame it. Commodities relative to financial assets are so incredibly undervalued. And one would think on a relative basis as we go through this tightening that commodities would outperform financial assets by a wide margin. Another way to think of it is the stock market relative to GDP in the United States is about 200, 
210-215%. The stock market relative to GDP for the rest of the world is 54%. So we value equities in the United States almost four times more than the rest of the world values their equities relative to their GDP. Now, there's a critical reason for that. And the reason for that is that in the U.S., we have a contest of ideas, both in our political system, and we, we're seeing that in spades right now, but in our capitalist system also. And that contest of ideas, compare and contrast that to China, where effectively you have one man, now Xi Jinping, dictating all policy. It's a, that's a, it's a extraordinarily, for me, it's the great leap backward for that country. Uh, because they don't have uh, that contest of ideas. When you've got one person at the top where everyone has to subjugate their thinking to that person. So again, U.S. equities are really extraordinarily valued relative to GDP because of the fact that we have that dynamism. Capitalism and democracy go hand in hand and that dynamism is one reason why if you were going to make a bet on an economy for the future, clearly, you'd bet it here in the United States rather than any other country in the world. Having said all of that, four times valuation relative to the rest of the world, it's extraordinary, right? Uh, and yes, the, the real trick here will be, can the Fed unwind what by many appearances are a financial bubble without there being huge negative economic consequences? And uh, we'll, we'll watch and see. It'll be interesting to see. I, I'm, um, yeah, I'm nervous because we're at such lofty heights. Paul, uh, we have to leave the conversation there. I want to thank uh, Julie. Congratulations uh, for being among the just companies. Paul, thank you for here, bringing here. us this list this morning. It's great to see both of you. Hope to see you all in person uh, very, very soon. Squawk Pod will be right back. Stand by, Joe. Up on them, too. As we uh, hurtle through January somehow, um, I don't know what happened. Uh, don't blink. And we reflect on so many things. That to be, I haven't been able to do any reflecting with you guys because I think this is my first appearance of the, of the new year. So I, it's just a time yes. where we think about the future. We think about the past. Uh, and, uh, God, after the last couple of years... Uh, I wouldn't even venture a guess uh, what we're looking at. Um, but Which dumpster but fire this year? You know, here we are. It's nice to see on Twitter some people, they like us. They really like us. It's nice. Uh, and it, it, it takes the edge off some of, some. Uh, some of the other stuff. But it's good we're all here together. One big happy Squawk, uh, squawk family. There's just no way that, that you can escape the world and what goes on in it. And uh, I know this is, it probably sounds ridiculous, but... Um, I'm looking forward to, to what plays out uh, in both the financial world and, and everything else that we talk about. So I, I guess that's my, my summary for getting back and starting the new year. It's a little late, isn't it? On, on Larry David, I think, that's, curb your enthusiasm. You know, after the, the second, yeah, no yeah, more. After the second or third, you can't really say Happy New Year. But I haven't seen you guys, no. so I, I, I don't know. But it is good to all Excuse be together and have everybody here together. 
If you want to share your big ideas, 2022 resolutions, or just still good New Year's wishes, find us on Twitter at Squawk CNBC. Thanks for listening to this podcast. As you know, Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys.